What's up, Farmers? Welcome to the Farm Athletic Company podcast. I am your host, Andrea Warner. I am also the co-owner and co-founder of Farm Athletic Company. If you would like more information on us, please visit our website at www.farmathleticco.com. And now, on to today's show. What's up, Farmers? Welcome to this week's edition of the Farm Athletic Company podcast. My special guest today that I'm honored to have is Dr. Chris Land. What's up? Hello. How you doing? I'm good. I'm excited for this because, sweaty, just finished working out. Just finished working out. Jumped in the pool. So I'm excited for this because, oh my gosh, we've known each other for... Um, I mean, I... the year you guys opened. It was a long time ago. A long time ago. I started CrossFit in 2010. We opened here in 2012. Yeah, and I started in... It's probably 2010. Um, I opened my office in 2008. Yeah, so it was a few years. I think it was right after we moved out of our first office that we ran, came, in, came into contact. Somewhere, yeah. 2012. Yeah. It's a, a long way to mumble through. Yeah, say, right around there. <laughs> have a hard time remembering like what I did last week, right. which was yeah. 2010. I mean, I don't even remember how we originally met or how we ended up started going to you because we've been not only we've we been friends and in communities together, but also we have come to you as patients for oh my gosh, eight, ten, Price eleven right years, around somewhere somewhere yeah. around in there. It's been a long time. It's just community, right? I mean, yeah. when we were all we were all involved in the CrossFit community, we just yeah. continued to run into each other. And the competitions, and we did all of the things, all, all of the, the parties. Things. Yeah. So, I would love for you to tell everybody, kind of what you do. Let's give let's give the background of Dr. Land. Um, I hate saying I'm gonna just said that. <laughs> I, so I went to chiropractic school, um, I'm a, I'm a 2008 grad, so I was there from 2004 to 2008, and when I was in school, I, I really, hang on, let me, let me take a step back from there. When I was an undergrad, I worked in a pharmacy. Okay. And we supplied meds for nursing facilities. Okay. So nursing homes and assisted living facilities. And at the time, I was thinking of going into medicine or going into pharmacy. Um, and I think that average admittee into a nursing facility was on 14 different meds. Oh, awesome. And, I mean, even the pharmacists were discouraged about it, you know. So, um so I started thinking about doing other things, and, and my mom had always gone to a chiropractor, and I really just thought it was neat hearing bones crunch. So, <laughs> so I started so to look into the schools. Some bones. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it always entertained me. Right. So, uh, so I ended up heading into that route and going to school, and then when I got there, I kind of got frustrated with a lot of the, the, the styles and the methods that traditional chiropractors used. So a friend of mine introduced me to this technique, active release technique, and uh, we started taking seminars together mm-hmm. in school. And it, it blew me away how 
how quickly people got better with it. So, you know, we were all taught the traditional method of, you know, get these, get, get patients in your door, um, get them hooked on what you do and make them lifelong patients of, you know, once a week they're coming in getting adjusted. Right. Uh, there's a lot of talk of, let's, let's make it like the dentistry model, you know, where you need a regular cleaning, you need your spine aligned regularly. Um, and I know a lot of my peers don't like when I say this, but I just never bought into it. And yeah. So, so I wanted to fix things. And so got into the active release technique and, you know, instead of 15, 20, 30 visits to get someone better, your four, six, eight visits to right. get someone better. And so, uh, got hooked on that and, uh, never really opened, opened the office the year I graduated, got hooked on that and, uh, really never did much advertising or anything. Just the success of the technique that I was taught, uh, yeah. kind of, kind of had us blow up and, and we've been going ever since. Yeah. And Sherry and I have been huge fans of it for a long time. We've referred our clients to you for many years. Yeah. Because it, a lot of them. it worked. I've yeah. seen a lot of them. Yeah. Right. Um, what I love about what you described is that you saw something that you weren't necessarily a fan of. Mm -hmm. That wasn't, it, it kind of went against your morals. Yeah. Like, I don't want to just take somebody's money and keep clicking and popping you if it's not helping you. Right. I, and you stepped out of that traditional box. Right. And went in a different direction. Yeah. Leveled up your education. Which, what I love is that you you continue to level up your education. Every time I talk yeah. to you, I feel like you've just come back from a new one. Oh, yeah. And we've learned, I mean, since we've started with you, I think um, the one big one that you and I discussed is nerves. Mm -hmm. And how your, nerves, your nervous system and the neurology part of it plays a huge role in pain. Right. So I want to talk about pain for just a little bit because... Pain, a lot of times, is, um, oh my gosh, this is going to be a big rabbit hole. Kind of excited for this one. Yeah. So, so many people are walking around with degenerative disc, cartilage issues, whatever, with no symptoms whatsoever. Right. Right. They have nothing. Yes. It's not until we start to feel that irritation of pain. Right. That we're like, oh, hey, so I think something's wrong. Right. And the first step is we go to either a general practitioner, which as we know, a general practitioner is gonna be like, hey, here's some muscle relaxers, or here's a referral to this orthopedic guy, or they, they're not, that's not their thing to solve that problem. Right. We send them to you, you look at them and say, hey, listen, the knee isn't the problem. I know your knee hurts. Yeah. But your knee isn't the problem. Like, how do we navigate these conversations? How do we say, listen, your knee's probably been this way for 15 years. Yeah. But since your hip's doing this, it's now showing up. Right. It's, it's tough. Uh, it, it's describing pain to people and, and where it comes from is maybe, it's, it's gotta be the hardest thing that I do. I mean, you touched on nerves and, and, arthritis showing up um there's no real clear 
clinical indication that arthritis even causes pain. Your general, what's classically been described as wear and tear, it's not wear and tear. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, couch potatoes have more arthritis in their spines than, than active people. And, and so, you know, that, that one's a hard conversation. The, the, you know, people go into their, to a doctor that tells them that they have a disc herniation and that's the cause of the pain. So they come to me 10 years later and they're, they're like, I got diagnosed with this disc herniation. So my back's supposed to hurt for the rest of my life. You know, just bad information, mm -hmm. misdiagnoses, uh, uh, perception of pain uh, it's an emotion yeah and, and it is and, an emotion absolutely and it's and it's you know there's no you know you can have a hole in your leg that hurts but your perception of that is an emotion and and so you know really pain isn't tangible the dysfunction that causes the pain is the tangible yeah and most people just don't realize that and treating pain from from a point of view that you and I have yeah. about treating pain right. is different than a client slash patient's view of treating pain. Right. It's different than if they were to walk into an orthopedic someone, it's different than their version of treating pain. Right. You know, so many people will just use the knee as an example because so many people have messed up knees that aren't really a knee thing. No. But they want, they want you to treat the knee. Right. Like, listen, I've got bad knees. And it's like, have you seen yourself walk? Because it's really got some dysfunctional hips. Right. The, the knee just happens to be the garbage can of the problem. Yeah. The, and the, the solution that everybody wants is this quick fix. Yes. Which really doesn't exist. No. I mean, if you're looking for a quick fix, it's, you're still not addressing the problem. No. It's, um, and, and the, the unfortunate thing in, in modern medicine is if you have knee pain, you go to a knee surgeon. And the knee surgeon, and I don't want to classify, you know, like I said earlier about my own profession, there's a broad range of people, but the knee surgeon looks at your knee. Yeah. They x-ray your knee, they MRI your knee. If there's nothing there, I say it. It's arthritis, deal with it, take yeah. some pills. Um, you don't Thin, look like thinning a cartilage. Clinic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the knee, 99% of the time, is an ankle or a hip issue. I mean, a former receptionist of mine had knee pain for years, uh, quit working out, quit doing things that she enjoyed because she had knee pain. And she went to an ortho that told her she didn't have anything wrong with her knees. Well, because she had spent seven or eight years with a dysfunctional hip, by the time I actually diagnosed that it was her hip, she needed hip surgeries. Yeah. Uh, you know, both hips. Because um, the, the knee surgeon never took the time to look at her hips. No. Uh, and, and so diagnostics of pain and seeing where it's coming from is, is, is really tough in traditional medicine because of the that you've got to fit in this box and we have to we have to work with your knee pain and we're not tracking it anywhere else and and also you know like you said the um perception of pain being an emotion uh, i just got sidetracked on that i had another thought in my head <laughs> sorry 
Um, this is this is how the majority of our visits go, by the way, when I come to see you. We like nerd out on all this stuff and it's like 50 different thoughts in the same conversation. Yeah, but it's it's tracking those things down. It's frustrating. Oh, I was going to say it's it's the the pain, the pain perception when people come in and I always say, hey, I'm empathetic to your pain. Yeah, but that's not what I'm going after. And right. So I try to demonstrate, hey, when I do this to you, that provokes your pain. Yeah, I'm not worried about you sitting here being in pain. Right. Because all that is is something screaming at me. If I if I hold a dumbbell with my arm bent, my bicep's going to be in pain. But the dumbbell's the problem. I'm not chasing after the bicep pain. I'm chasing after the dumbbell. Yeah. And that's a common analogy that I feel like I have to use a lot. And I'm, yeah. I, I constantly have to say, Hey, I know you're in pain, but but this is what we're going after. We're going after the way to get you out of that. You know, and it's such a hard conversation to have because the the medical world has made it so easy to alleviate pain with pills and shots. Yes. And, you know, when pills and shots no longer work, our people are sick of pills and shots. They're like, okay, well, your only option now is surgery. Yeah. And surgery really should be like your last ditch. Right. You've tried, you've got, you've tried coaches. You've tried literally everything on the entire planet. Right. Surgery should not be a first option. No. And once you've done it, you've done it. Yeah. There's nothing else. I mean, There's unless you have than that. like the tragic, you snapped your leg in half. Yeah. Like then that's a totally different conversation. But if you're talking about, Hey, my, we'll move away from the knee because I picked the knees because my dad and my grandparents yeah. were like knees, knees, knees. Um, we'll say shoulder. Yeah. My shoulder's been bothering me because mine has, my shoulder's been bothering me for, I don't know, year, two years, three years, four years, whatever. Now I'll go get it looked at, but I'm going to try absolutely everything under the sun first. I mean, we've been working on my shoulders, I think, for like 12 years, and it keeps going from like left to right to left to right. <laughs> so it's a matter of people being willing to be open-minded to the fact that there's a good possibility that traditional health care is not going to fix your problem because they aren't looking at the right thing. Right. Whereas something like a traditional gym isn't going to fix your problem either right? because it's not going to get fixed with squats and pull-ups and 17 miles worth of running. Especially if you're doing them improperly. Yeah. Is that like if you don't know what muscle group you're using? Uh, yeah. that's It always hurts me when I have someone demo a squat in the office and I just see the dysfunction <laughs> and the pain. <laughs> like that just hurt me to watch you squat. Yeah. If you could not do that again, yeah. that would be great. You know, having someone with education in a field such as ours where it's it's a care factor. Yeah. Hey, we're responsible enough to say, listen, I care about your well-being enough right. to say you need this. You need this. You don't need that, which is, I think, where we relate really well is that that's different from, for us, a traditional gym, for you, a traditional chiropractor. It's almost like we need to be called something different. Right. Because we apply our methodologies different. Our thoughts, I don't even want to call it a methodology because a methodology can get very in a box. Right. Um, mindset. Right. It's, it's tough. I know when I, when I try to convince people to come here, yeah. they're like, oh, I go to a gym or I have a personal trainer or I, you know, whatever it is. And I have to say, I know. <laughs> But just be willing to listen to me. And I mean, there's two people out there working out right now when I walked in that 
it took me a while to convince them to get in here. Yeah. Um, and, and one of them was a recurring patient because he injured himself over and over again because I can, I can get things broken apart and moving, but I don't strengthen things in my office. I don't have that. And, and, right. and so, you know, it was nice. I probably haven't seen him in a year, year and a half in the office. And he was like, thank you for referring me in here. He's like, that's why I haven't been in to see you. That's that's great. That's what we're that's what we're shooting for. Yeah. Um, and I run into the same conversations. I, you know, no matter where I am, it's it's. Uh, I almost hate the question, "What do you do for a living?" Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm a chiropractor. And they're like, "Oh, my my back hurts," and I'm like, "Ah." <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It's. And you know, you know, it's not what I do really. You know, no. I, I I look for I I don't. I help acute backs and acute necks, but I hate, it's not my, it's not my primary. I don't, I don't want to say I hate it because I like helping people, but. You're not a snap cracking. No. See you later. No. And it's. Guy. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard box to, to get out of. Yeah. Um, what have you noticed if anything has changed for your industry since 2020? You know, I don't think our industry had too much of an impact. I think there were some states that you're talking about COVID, yes. the, the changes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and as far as, I'll word it this way, I'm sorry. Viewing, viewing treatment and health and healthcare same, different. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've really changed much about Say, I, I mean, I just feel like we were fortunate enough that we, I, we didn't have to change anything, and and so, you know, I, I see COVID complications now, and I think things that are, um, you know, not to scare people, but the long-term mechanical complications from COVID and possibly from vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a touchy subject for a lot of people, but, uh, but it's true. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. I know, I know people that have <sighs> similar injuries to people that have had COVID people that have had vaccines and have never had COVID are having similar complications. Right. Um, but as far as my practice style and, and what I see in the office and, and where I've had to adapt, Gosh, I thank God every day because we we really. I mean, you guys were impacted. Yeah. No one ever told us to shut down. I continued to see people. I. Uh, I'm guessing that's where you're going with that question. Yes. Right? Am I am yep. I missing the mark? Nope. Yeah. Not at all. Um, it, you it, know, for us, it was it was a shift from how we care for people. Yeah. Like we saw people during that time that we realized that hey, just traditional fitness isn't helping people long-term. Yeah. You know, so many people start and stop. So what we viewed was the people that were impacted the most were those that were the most sick. Yeah. You know, obese, sedentary, um, the high cholesterol, the high blood pressure, like the people that had the comorbidities were impacted the most. Right. And those are the people I've had more complications with. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so for us, it was like, you know, how can we help these people more long term so that let's say, 
God forbid something like this ever happens again. And it literally just like wipes through the people that have the most sickness. Like how do we help these people become less sick, less injured, give them some more confidence, get them moving again, get them stronger again for the rest of their life? Yeah, it's an uphill battle. It's a very uphill battle. Because there's so many influences out there um, when it comes to health and nutrition. And there's so many bad, bad actors out there. There's so much bad advice and information and, and the, the, the number of people that come through my office and they're like, I'm doing this program and I just want to go. God Why? <laughs> Um, Why? I got a lot of work to do here. Um, yeah, it's a it's a tough it's a it's a tough uh, it's a tough uphill battle just because you're you're fighting just all of these. There's so much information being pumped out there, and, and you're just you're fighting so many bad things. My my wife yesterday, she was talking about some uh, boot camp place that was advertising locally, and they. They said we do kettlebell swings, and there was a video of someone almost doing like a rack pull with a kettlebell, but their spine was all rounded and their hips were out of place, and they were on their toes. And you know, she's not a mechanical expert in that, but but I guess I've flooded her brain with enough knowledge <laughs> to. I'm, I'm surprised I haven't bored her too much with it. Then she um, can be like, "That's not right." Yeah, and she was just like, "These poor people get exposed to this, and they think that's." Oh, that's right. That's that yeah. looks good. I'm going to do that. Yeah, uh, and actually, <laughs> you bring that up, and actually, one of your clients who recently started with us started yeah. with Sherry. I think she. It's funny because she told Sherry this. I don't know if she told you this. Mm -hmm. Like, why would I go to that gym and get a personal trainer? I've had a personal trainer before. Yes. And they were in their twenties, and they it didn't do anything to help her. Right. So it you automatically classify things all in the same groups so when you hear things like. If you had a bad experience with a personal trainer or that personal trainer didn't help you, suddenly all personal trainers are in that group. It's the same thing. Yeah. 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 And so as to what you're speaking of, you know, somebody goes into a facility like that and suddenly all fitness yeah. you've, is you've that way. In that box. I've, I've tried that before and I hurt my back. Yeah. Therefore, I now have a bad back because of working out. I can no longer work out. Yeah. And it's... It's sad to say that it's a stereotype, but it's actually a result of trauma. Yeah. So many people have results of trauma, and once they realize what the trauma's from, it's like, I'm going to stay away from that. Right. I can't do that. Right. And, so I, and I get that all the time, too. I've, I've been to a chiropractor. I've, I've tried that. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Because we've had that conversation with um, clients that we've been referring to you. Yeah. Like, hey, I want you to go see Dr. Land. What does he do? He's a chiropractor. And like yeah, you, you instantly you get, get the, the face, the face yeah. freeze, and I'm like, no, 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 not like that. Not like that. Like We're this, not doing the same thing. This would be totally different. Like he's not gonna just turn you into a pretzel and try to <laughs> snap you in half, twist you all over the place. Not like that. No, no, no. Like, and what I love is that you're very honest about your scope. Is to like, okay, listen, we've treated this four times. This is no longer in my scope. I need to refer you to this person. I need you to go back to your coach and say this, 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 and this. Let's get the MRI because something's broken. Yeah. Let's let's figure out this. This isn't this isn't what it, this isn't what it's presenting as. There's something else going on. Here. Absolutely. And you know the yeah. future. I think the future of human care needs to be conversations like this, mm -hmm. 
where we put this person first yeah. and we put their care first. Like it's not about ego or who's right or who's wrong. It's like you're there to help this person. We're there to help this person. Yeah. If we were to build an entire network of this yeah. and be able to help the entire city of Jacksonville. Yeah. Like the, the whole place would totally change. Yeah. It's, it's you, the, you know, but going back to the box, that's the battle. Yeah. You're just, you're, you're packaged in a, you're, you're, you're a personal trainer that got your online certification in a week, you know? And, <laughs> oh man, I wish I'm, it was that easy. I'm the chiropractor that couldn't make it in med school. So that's why I chose to go the route that I did. And, Such a great stereotype. Yeah. And it's, it's a tough one too. I mean, I, the number of times where I'll see someone and, and they'll, it, it happens all the time where they'll, they'll ask me it, and it doesn't really happen in the office because once they get going, they, they realize we're, we're really trying to get them going. Yeah. But out in public, same. Uh, you know, I almost hate giving advice because people will say, I had this, this, and this. And I'll go, well, you maybe, maybe here, here's what we're dealing with. And they'll go, well, I'm going to go talk to my orthopedist. And it's like, is that a, is that a, I don't, I don't know yeah. what to take it about that. Do you think you have a surgical issue? Is normally my response, and it's no. And I'm like, then, then, why are you going to a surgeon? Right. Um, and and a lot of times, and and man, I have a great relationship with a lot of orthos and neurosurgeons in town, and and I have their numbers in my phone, and I text them regularly, and yeah, deal with them all the time, and uh, you know they they don't want me sending them people that aren't surgeries because that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, that's their job. Yeah. Uh, they don't really want to waste their time. And, and I don't want to clap. I, I hate, I'm, I'm, I'm creating a, a box to shove them in and I can't say that's all the time, but that's what they love. They yeah. love doing surgery. That's why they got into it. They'll examine you yeah. if they have to and, and they want to, they want to keep their business going, but they want to do surgeries. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I know if I send them non-surgical cases, they're going to quit taking my phone calls. Yeah. Um, and, and the majority of things, you, if you catch them early enough, they're not surgery. You don't have to go that route. Um, and, you know, it takes, it takes some time to fix those deeper problems. Yeah. Like I said, a, a quick fix is really just a lie. Yeah. It's not, it's not a fix at all. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even like to call it. A fix in any kind of way because it's it's not it's a band-aid right that at some point is either going to fall off or be ripped off yeah and if people would just stop thinking that there's a quick fix for things if they would start looking to actually solve the problem right they would get to stop looking for quick band-aids I feel like one of the hardest conversations that I have with a with a I'm gonna set up a, a person that I have in my office is the one that on their paperwork before I walk in to see them, I look down and it says neck pain. And how did it start? I don't know. How long's it been? 10 or 15 years. Ooh. You know, and I, and I, and I tell them, you know, normally they're in acute pain. Right. And I'm like, I can get you out of acute pain, but you've been working on this for 15 years. Mm -hmm. You have lifestyle problems and I can get you out of this acute pain but unless we address those lifestyle problems unless they are in here doing something with you or wanting to change their diet or or 
mechanics at work or whatever it is, they're just back in the office again. Yeah, and I love that you bring this up because the ed part of the education that we provide talks about lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, you can work out as hard as you want. Right. You can run as long as you want. You can do be as active as you want to be. If you're not sleeping, if you right. eat like a toddler. Yeah. I'm not going to say toddler. If you eat like a high school, college kid. You love booze and coffee. Exactly. And Frosted Flakes yeah. and whatever sugar-loaded carbohydrate yeah. comes that way. So if you're not getting any sleep, you eat like a college student, um, you have stress that you refuse to deal with. Yeah. Like, all of that stuff. You hit 40 or 50 and you're broken. Done. Yeah. And done. you're wondering what happened. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wait a second. Why can't I be 20 again? Yeah. I'm just trying to be 20 again. So I've started running five miles a day. Yeah. I went and joined such and such gym. Now my yeah. knee hurts, my back hurts. I'm doing this new diet that I found online. Yeah. I'm fasting. I'm, oh. I'm doing the newest fast. Dear I'm, God, fasting. I'm, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. and it's, as soon as you start talking about stuff like that, especially nutrition, I feel like nutrition kind of falls in the same category as politics and religion. Yes. Because as soon as you start <laughs> talking about nutrition, everybody goes, I eat really well. Yes. I'm like, Okay. Yeah. Can I see it? They're like, no, 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 I, this is what I have for breakfast, but they leave out bits and pieces. Yeah. Or you find out they're just not flat out eating enough. Like right. lifestyle conversation, especially the, the clients that you see, the patients that you see, because you, you see a lot of runners. Yes. And long distance runners have this thought of weight gain equals slow. Mm -hmm. So usually their diets reflect that. Mm -hmm. Usually their training program reflects that. And usually they're in some sort of joint pain yeah. by the time they come to see you. Yeah. And, and a, a lot of, um, well, going back to politics, a lot of like vegetarian, vegan diets with a, a lot of protein needs mm -hmm. because of activity levels and then a lot of breaking down. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a tough conversation to have. And I, I have on my intake paperwork, there's a, there's a check mark for, I can't even remember, there's four levels. I just want a general idea of where they think their diet falls. Is it fair? Is it great? Is it fair? Is it decent? Or is it poor? Right. Um, and, you know, no, I occasionally, and the demographic is consistent. It's an overweight male that will occasionally mark poor. They know where they are. <laughs> And it's, they're honest. It's, yeah, and it and it's refreshing sometimes. But you know, there's not everyone's going to be everyone marks one or two because everyone thinks I'm doing it right. Um, yeah. You know, I I ate Special K for breakfast, and I've only had three Diet Cokes today. They were diet, so I didn't consume sugar. And mm -hmm. just, gosh. And, but that's all I've had to eat today. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um. So. Yeah, it's a, but it, it is, I mean, people get very defensive when you try to, when you try to approach that, but it's, um, you know, you have to, you have to step back and, and realize, and, and, and sometimes I just, I can't have that conversation with people Yeah. because they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to be willing to, to make a change there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it, so much of it's emotional and, yeah. you know, kind of like pain. So it's a it's a it's a tough one to break sometimes.
Yeah, we all have an emotional connection. We all have an emotional connection to food. Oh, yeah. Whether it's, um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but it, either way, it's emotional. Right. Like, I'm very passionate about food because I like to eat. Right. And I like the way my body feels when it's fed and nourished properly. And when you don't feed me, there's right. going to be a major problem. I have wheat sensitivity. I don't do well on it. I don't consume it. But my mom makes the best chicken and dumplings in the world. And every Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm going to eat them. <laughs> so, you know, that's my emotional attack. I've done that my entire life. And, and I will. Tradition. It's, and it's tradition. It's a yeah. family thing. And it comes from your mom. Right. Yeah, I totally get that. And my wife needs to figure out how to make them. Or I've got to jump on board. Come on, Kristen, get with yeah. it. Come on, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a cooking class. We'll have a chicken and dumpling <laughs> cooking class. Um, you know, I wish people would understand how much lifestyle attributes to pain. Yes. It, it, it's there's, the most, there's a direct correlation. It's the largest correlation. Between the two. And the, the second hardest conversation to have behind nutrition is rest. Yeah. For, for extremely active people mm-hmm. are people that are coming to us because they, they do all of the working out. They do all of the things to say, Hey, listen, I just need you to dial it back Yeah. for a little bit while we work on this. And it's like, <gasps> hang on. I mean, there, there's a, uh, when it comes to rest, there, there's, there's one people ask me all the time about sleeping positions and all of these things. And, and there's a, a ton of information out there on it. Um, and and my, go, my general go-to is when you're sleeping at night, you're in an unloaded position, your muscles aren't taking a lot of stress. So I would rather you sleep on your side if that's how you sleep than lay flat on your back, especially while you're recovering. If you can get eight hours or seven hours on your side, even mm-hmm. though that's not the best spot, sleep like that. Um, but but telling people that that sleep part, especially when they're going through an injury and recovery, um, that's that's hard to do. They're like, well, I have this and this and this. And I'm like, well, you got it. Yeah. I mean, you can keep dealing with the injury if you want to, but you recover at night. Uh, seriously, one hundred percent. You know, my mom's going through an appendix cancer yeah. journey right now. Um, we just had surgery, removed part of her colon, removed um, gl- um, lymph nodes in that area. She's getting ready to go through some chemo here pretty soon. And basically I had to sit down and have a stern conversation with her about taking a nap. Yeah. Like mom, listen. It's hard to do with mom and dad. Yes. My parents are extremely active. Like they wear me out. They come into town and by the time they leave, I'm like, oh my God, I need to sleep for like three days. Dad's done an incredible job with this place. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Dad, dad is, they're both unbelievable. They, they, and they do the same thing at my house when they come into town. They're like, Hey, I noticed that your bathrooms need tile. Yeah. I'm like, they do? Didn't know that. We're going to retile the bathrooms. Right. So they're that same way at home every day. Mm-hmm. It's like the grass needs to be mowed. The pool needs to be vacuumed. The house needs to be cleaned. The laundry needs to be done. Like it's, they basically work out all day long. Yeah. And they live on four acres mm-hmm. and they take care of the whole place themselves, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. I couldn't ask for anything better. However... When she's going through this right now, I was like, Mom, you have to understand. You got to take a step back. You need to slow down a little bit. It's like, your body is going to tell you that it needs sleep. I was like, it's okay to take a nap in the middle of the afternoon. I was like, so tell Dad, no, you can't mow the grass right now because (laughs) you need need a break. Right. And she was like, okay, deal. I was like, recovery is your most important thing right now. Yes. Yeah. 
and that's a big one. It's a big one. I can always tell when I don't sleep. I'm not. I'm, I'm no good. No. I don't say I'm no good. I'm not. I'm not where I want to be. It, um, if people understood how much wear and tear they place on their body by not sleeping, mm-hmm. and also how much consuming alcohol affects your sleep, yeah, which also contributes to even more wear and tear. Yeah. And more pain. And but that wind down every afternoon is what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the um, the lowering of the immune system, what it does to fascial tissue, cartilage. I mean, there's, talk about another rabbit hole we could yeah. really dive into. And there's really a lot of information coming out on that now. The, you know, the old, especially for heart disease patients and stuff where the glass of red wine was, was good for you. There's really no evidence and and not that i still drink alcohol from time to time but there's there's really zero there's no benefit no and it's only detrimental yeah it's it's kind of like consuming sugar yeah there's zero benefit um but it does taste good it's okay for a treat every now and then yeah um but yeah there's no zero benefit it's what you do on a regular basis i had a guy um long time ago not not too long after we first opened this guy was super athletic ran hiking was training with us and he said something about came in one day really smelling like cigarette smoke and really i was like hey are you smoking he's like yeah i was like you're one of like the most athletic people i know he's like i don't do it all the time i said you know that that's like the one thing on this planet that's guaranteed to kill you. It says it on the package. It says it on the box. <laughs> they put it on the box. Yeah. I was like, drinking in moderation, uh, like a drink here and there, whatever. Yeah. A cigarette? Yeah. Like, it's highly addictive. Yeah. Like, and it, it is guaranteed to kill you. Right. Like, people know this. Yeah. And they read it, but we all kind of like stupidly think that that doesn't apply to us. Right. It doesn't apply to us until it does. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, damn. Right. And, and that's a tough one. That is a, uh, that was one thing that blew me away. I remember in undergrad or organic chem, we were talking about dependencies and nicotine's the, well, at the time, I don't know if it's changed then, but at the time it was the number two most addictive substance known to man behind heroin. I believe that. Uh, you know, so you feel, you know, I think in general today, most people that, that, smoke regularly they probably don't want to yeah it's uh, just the the, the addiction yeah, part of it addiction it's part of so it. addicting um that's a, and that's a yeah that's a mean one to break sometimes and that's another one that once again it affects tissues and oh yeah Gosh, big time it tears up collagen fibers if you want to look old and wrinkly <laughs> smoke some cigarettes smoke some cigarettes <laughs> yeah. yeah lifestyle plays such a huge role and and what we have going on and we all kind of live in denial yeah. about that. It takes being very open-minded mm-hmm. to be like, this is what I have done to myself. Yeah. I need help yeah. getting out of this thing. Right. And coming to a professional such as yourself and saying, hey, help me. Where do I go? Like, tell me what to do. Yeah. And for so long, you brought this up earlier, so long you have sent people our way. Mm-hmm. And for, let's see, we just rebranded a couple years ago. So for eight, nine years, 
as we were listed as a CrossFit gym, you would say, hey, you need to go see these people. And they would look at you like you were. I couldn't get anyone in here. Crazy. Yeah. Not, I don't think one single person stepped foot in our gym from your office Probably for not. those eight or nine years. Yeah. And it's changed a lot since then. It has changed a lot since then. Yeah. We rebranded. We leveled up. We basically changed how we run our business. And now the people coming in our doors from your office are like, wow, I had no idea yeah. that this yeah. was like this. Yeah. And it really, it works well because we're able to have a conversation and I can ask you questions and say, hey, this person has this going on. Or you can say, hey, this person has this going on. This is what they need. This is where it's going. Yeah. This is where it's coming from. And we're like, yep. And we What's take the, the ball rolling. Yeah. And then we get to work back and forth with these people. Got another set of eyes on them. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And I believe it's really the, the total view of healthcare besides just medicine and yeah. shots and the potential of it is through the roof. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's and it's um it's a lot better when you catch them early in its its treatment or exercise as opposed to to shots. Because, I mean, you know, yesterday I called a girl that had been in my office and she had a disc herniation that was hitting a nerve root and shooting pain down her arm and she's a candidate for shots. You know, that's the that's the quickest and most efficient way to tone that down yeah. in her acute pain. But then where do you go from there? Right. And what's you know, next? And, and do you want that to happen again? Um, you know, her diet's great, uh, but... You know, she needs, uh, she probably needs some lifestyle modifications, yeah. you know, outside of the diet. Um, so she's getting a good, she's, she's got half of it, right? The activity level is probably not exactly where it needs to be. The stresses yeah. of life probably aren't where they need to be. Um, so, you know, in that case, she was one that, you know, unfortunately she had to, she had to go that route. Um, and then hopefully we can influence some things and keep that from occurring again. Yeah. And I want to talk about strength yeah. for a minute because a lot of times what you like what you're referring to there is when, when we talk about solving deeper problems, we're really talking yeah. about strength deficiencies. Right. And people don't understand that just because you're active, that doesn't mean you're strong. Correct. Just because you do, you know, running or biking or even going to the gym. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're strong. Right. Especially in certain areas, especially if you neglect those areas or you have no idea what muscles you're supposed to be using. Yeah. So I want to navigate a strength world, a strength conversation. That I you know, going back to I do see a lot of runners and the and the hardest part the hardest part about endurance athletes, um, that's where they get their high. And uh and, and you know, you I could I could go on the opposite and say the hardest part about strong men and, and power lifters on the opposite. But, but since we're talking about strength, you know, let's say I get a, a distance runner. Um, I'll, I'll just say I had an ultra marathoner in the other day, mm -hmm. chronic IT band issues. I can fix that IT band because the, it's, it's, a, you know, an IT band's a big tendon that runs down the side of the leg. It, it, when it, when it gets dysfunctional, it's, it's normally due to, to weakness in the, in the hip, one of the glute muscles. Um, and then that, that band gets overloaded. It adheres itself to the tissues around it and then you get knee pain. So I can get them out of that acute pain enough 
and then they can they can run the race that they're about to have in the next couple of weeks. If they don't do anything afterwards about fixing that lateral hip weakness, they're going to have an IT band issue again. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part about endurance sports is the way to get better at endurance running is to run more. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you get faster. And if that's occupying most of your time, you don't have time to do the strength work. And so yeah. you're watching your peers get faster and you want to compete. So you're running more to compete with them, but this part's being neglected. And yeah. so you're, you're headed for an injury. And in the same with, you know, I, like I said, I could use that with power lifters or strongmen. Range of motion problems are a major issue there. Yes, absolutely. You know, but they're wanting to hit that bench press or that, deadlift or that squat or if they're ollie you know that snatch uh and 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 they're they're missing out on a mobility problem or something so you know they go to hit that lift and they tear a hamstring or they tear a labrum or they get a bicep impingement or whatever it is mm-hmm. when you limit range of motion around a joint you're going to hurt the joint yeah, and people think people always associate strength with being big yes like, hey, I need you to get stronger. Oh, yeah, but especially women. Yeah. Like, as soon as you tell them, hey, listen, I'm going to need you to get stronger and, like, lift some weights. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to get big. Yeah. And I always have to tell women that walk in the door, I'm like, listen. Like, first of all, you're not going to get real big no. unless you start taking some sort of illegal substances. You're not genetically designed to do that. No. <laughs> yeah. We are not big creatures. No. Like, and the number of years that that takes to be big, big, the number of drugs that it takes. But in order to even just develop basic strength, it's not like you're going to lift weights for two weeks and suddenly you're going to be like, can't fit in my pants anymore. Like big (laughs) big and balloon. (laughs) It's years. Yeah. Like strength training takes a long time. Endurance training, faster. Like you want to build your aerobic capacity, we can work on that for two weeks and it's already going to be different. Right. But to gain strength, I mean, we're talking... Months, yeah, years, like to correct things. And I have people that ask us this all the time. How long do you think this is going to take? Mm-hmm. I'm like, how long have you been walking around like this? Yeah. I don't know. God gave me the manual on you. I can be able to tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. this is going to take us a while. It's going to take a minute. Like longer than three sessions yeah. for strength. But I want the quick fix. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah. That Band-Aid's going to fall off. So if we could get people to understand that strength is such a huge part of, number one, pain and alleviating pain. Strength is also a huge part of our longevity and our lifestyle for the remainder of our life. Like the number of people that we see that can barely walk in their 70s or even shoot their 60s that are shuffling along. But then you have people like my parents that I can't keep up with my dad. Well, number one, he's taller than me. But like when we go out walking, <laughs> yeah, I'm like dad, slow down. And right. he's sixty-five. Yeah, sixty-six. Just turned yeah. sixty-six this year. That's awesome. So you have him versus this sixty-six-year-old that's shuffling along that has just been deteriorating for right. for a while. And the difference is movement and strength. Yeah, and it's it's neat when you. It's not neat, but I I talk to my parents about that all the time. I have to brag on them because. They're not in gyms every day, but they take care of themselves. And my dad's 72. Um, 
what year is this, 23? So my mom's going to turn 70 this year. Uh, and, you know, it's it's tough for them to hang out with their friends because mm-hmm. they're diabetic and they can't get in and out of a car and they can't, and, you know, I my parents were watching the kids the other day and I got home and my dad had gone out and mowed the grass and did all the, it's like, Dad, what do you, <laughs> right? hang out with your grandkids and take it easy. Don't. Don't kind of do the grass. Things. But that's how he, it, same thing, that's how he is. And, yeah. And, you know, before they moved here, same thing, they had three and a half acres of land and horses and stuff to take care of, and he was always out doing stuff. And yeah. So was my mom, and um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's nice seeing that. It's a huge difference in the number of people that stop moving based off of a diagnosis. Yes. As soon as that diagnosis hits, it's like that bad back oh man yeah i almost hate seeing almost hate when someone writes that they've been diagnosed with something Mm -hmm. before i see them yeah because it's hard getting them over that emotional home yeah that mental the mental hurdle of because now they feel like they have a bad back for forever yeah and i'm unable i'm unable to do all of these things because of my back yeah and and they're scared 100 percent. if you've had a back spasm it's that i i when, when someone's in my office in an acute back spasm, I always tell them, I've, I've had special forces guys that, and my saying is that I, I know can sustain themselves themselves off of things like nails. They're tough. Mm-hmm. Um, crying on the floor in my office, mm. it hurts. And and you, you feel like if you move wrong, you're going to snap in half. And uh, and it's it's, it's a, that's a tough one to work through. It takes a while to get... It's almost like therapy sessions when you go yeah. to get treated for stuff like that. Yeah. It, it's more mental. I mean, Sherry went through that with recovering from her shoulder surgeries. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watched you watched all of that happen. It's a huge mental process to mm-hmm. that. And she would come into your office, and I remember just sitting there being like, I want to do this. I don't know that I can. Do you think it's okay if I do this? Right. And it was like, oh, we were paying you for therapy. <laughs> I feel like I do a lot of that too. Yeah. But that's a hard, it's, it's tough to, especially in situations like that, the, the, those, those acute areas, they're, they're, they're neurological in nature a lot of times more so than mechanical when you get to that point. And, and what I mean by that is your brain is telling your body to, to spasm because you don't have enough strength to sustain yourself with movement there. Right. And and getting someone through that and letting them know, hey, I can I can influence that. Sorry, I can influence that to some extent, but you gotta get out and move. I mean, it's it's um until you let your body know that you're not gonna damage yourself and you get up and you start moving, yeah, you're gonna continue to hurt. So for the person who has a spasm such as that, yeah, we'll say they get a back spasm, yeah. In the moment when it happens, what's the best thing they can do? Move. Move. Blood flow. Blood flow. Um, that that neurological confirmation that that uh, that it's okay. You're 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 not. You're telling your brain you're not trying to hurt yourself. Um, As opposed to digging at it, that kind of stuff. Digging, digging at, at it, it to re- to release it like that. Yeah, makes it come back. Sometimes more. it does. Um, and, and what a lot of people do is lay on the couch with a heating pack or, or ice. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably the worst thing you can do. For yeah. It. Um, but that's, again, that's the that's the classic method of what do I do? My back hurts. Yeah. Um, 
Because like, you're in so much pain, you're like, I don't yeah, want to move. I don't want to move. Do me a favor and stick your elbow right here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of that, I just, a guy I saw the other day drives for work. So he sits with his hips closed, you know, in a, mm-hmm. in a seated position. And so his, his knee is closer to his chest than it is away from his chest. Yeah. So the muscles that flex his hip are short and tight all day. And his glutes are weak because mm-hmm. he never uses them. So he's created an imbalance there, and then that imbalance leads to spasm. So he he needs posterior chain strengthening once he's through this acute phase. Yeah, and the um, our modern world of sitting, yeah, a lot, a lot, causes a lot of back pain. And people that think that they have back pain, I mean, we have people that go through our assessment that tell us that their back hurts. I'm like, okay, I need you to hinge over and touch the floor. Yeah, and I mean, their elbows are like on the floor. Yeah. I'm like, where do you feel that? They're like, right here in my hamstrings. I'm like, do you feel it in your back? No. But their quads yeah. and their hip flexors are so, so glued tight. down. Yeah. Because it attaches yeah. in your back. Yeah. So everybody thinks that their back problem is a debilitating back problem when really their back problem is a sitting problem, which is a hip flexor quad problem. Right. And then they always bend over to stretch it to try mm-hmm. to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's probably the most common reason for back pain that I see. But uh, that's, and that's what everyone does. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Totally agree. This so movement movement is really nature's medicine. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But and and you know, going back to our parents' generation, getting into a gym is a task that you're just not getting a lot of those that generation no. to do that. They're terrified. Um Yeah. Actually the you know, the first time my dad brought this up the the other day. The first time my dad ever set in a gym was a competition that I did at your place. Oh, really? That he came to watch. Huh. It was the first time he'd ever been inside of a gym in really? his life. Yeah. Wow. So however long ago that was. That's true. I mean, back then they were all so active. And, I mean, like I think about my grandparents, so many of them, they all took care of their house. Yeah. They all did their own yard work, right. washing dishes, cleaning house, washing cars. The majority of them were farmers. Yeah. So they all had animals to take care of and land to take care of. So their their activity level naturally was their exercise. And carrying things around all day long was naturally their exercise. So yeah, the model of the gym is relatively new. Mm -hmm. And what do we do to help people? It's it's still an evolving process. And everybody's, I'm like, I remember my mom doing step aerobics, like, that was the popular thing. We're going to watch this thing on TV, and then we're going to do these step aerobics moves, and that was working out. Richard Simmons. Yeah, game on. I say he's a Florida State grad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we'll end on that. That's so funny. <laughs> Dr. Land, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate the conversation. Where can people find you? I know that you're not overly a social media guy. But yeah, we're really bad about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, we do have a website. We have a Facebook page. During COVID, uh, yeah. we created some videos to try to help people out, which people still tell me. They come in and they're like, I, the reason I'm here is I saw the video you made. Well, there you go. I'm thinking, wow, maybe I should make some videos more often. <laughs> maybe I should do some videos. Uh, but yeah, we are um, on the corner of Bay Meadows in San Jose. and uh, You can find us online. I always... Uh, uh, I, I always... Uh, I feel like we update the Facebook page on occasion. 
but that's uh, it's actually something I never touched. So, um, yeah, that's where we are. Love it. And if anyone's looking for a referral, we have your referral slips sitting in our in office. House. Come on down. Yeah, come on down. So I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ferrum Athletic Company podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a review, share it with your family and friends, share it on your social media platforms. Our mission is to build better humans through the education of health and movement. If this resonates with you, please shoot us an email at forged at ferrumathletico.com. Follow us on social media Facebook or Instagram at Ferrum Athletico. And we will see you all soon. Thank you for helping us to build better humans.